Page 21. The seventh advantage. The seventh advantage of a man of faith over, over a magician. Page 21. This is a huge statement and one that I think everybody will identify with very quickly. What's it help that a man can turn dirt into gold if he's not always sure that there will be food that he can buy with the gold? You can't eat gold. So when there is a famine, God forbid... You don't have, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't, your gold and your silver is worth nothing. Because you can't eat it. And yet this is the foolishness of a person who thinks that having money is the greatest security and all you need. All you need is money. Because it's not true. Money has to be able to buy you what you want and what you need. Money itself is not an end. As it says, during tragic times, people taking their money and throwing it out onto the sidewalk because it's worth nothing. As it says, but the prophet announces, your gold, your silver will not be able to save you because you can't eat it. But a person who relies not on money, but on God, he will never... He will never be in, in shortage of what it is that he depends on. <coughs> God can, can save you from hunger too. And as it says in Tehillim Chav the Lord is my shepherd, and therefore I shall not lack anything. And also it says in Tehillim that a person who believes in Hashem, trusts in Hashem, will not be ashamed during a time of calamity. And days of famine will still be satisfied because he never depended on the money and on the food. He depended on God. Vashmini, the eighth advantage. A person who has a ton of money doesn't feel comfortable staying in any one place for a long time because he's afraid that he's going to be exposed, his secret is going to be, is going to be revealed, and then suddenly he'll be out of business. So therefore, although he has a lot of money, but he has no stability. A person who has faith in God stays in one place and is not harried and not running all over the all over the world, moving constantly on the move. As David Melech says, until him, trust in God and do good, dwell in your land and be nourished by faith. The the righteous people will inherit the land. And will dwell there forever, which is, this is a very interesting, very practical interpretation of that pasuk. The, the righteous will inherit the land and dwell there forever. He is saying that righteous people move around less. They just simply have to move less because they're not afraid of the people that are living around they them. They live peacefully. Where they live they peacefully. At? In one place. They're not on the move. They don't know about ants in their pants. Whereas a person who is hiding some special secret craft... Trademark, trademark that he doesn't want anybody to discover. So as soon as people get too close to him, he runs away and he has to move somewhere else. That's no way to live. Vachi, in the ninth manner, that a uh, person of faith has an advantage over a magician. The ninth manner is that a person, an alchemist, 
His alchemy will not accompany him in the end of his days to the world to come. Even in this world, he gains nothing other than freedom from poverty and from reliance on other people for money. But it's not spiritual. So it nourishes him only in a very, very shallow, to a very shallow depth of his life. But it certainly doesn't nourish any deep yearning within him. And when he dies, it's gone. You know, you hear this idea so many times that it loses its meaning. You can't take it with you. The money, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. We hear, we hear it over and over and over again. But, but it certainly is worthy to, to, to uh, ponder the shock of a person who passes away and realizes that he is now impoverished. I remember Rabbi Feller in Minnesota once telling us that when you come, come up to Shemayim and they tell you, uh, no, where's your entrance fee? And you look for your money. And you were a, will, a wealthy man. You never worry that you wouldn't be able to get in somewhere or that you wouldn't be able to gain admittance because you have so much money that nothing ever stood in your way. And now you stand at the most, the most desirous. You know, you've been to every golf club, every country club. You got into every club. But now you're at the most desirous club and you can't get in. Because they tell you this, this is worth nothing. So, so you say, what do you mean it's worth nothing? I have so much money. They said, we don't take money. If you have receipts from charity, that's the, that is the uh, currency. So show us your charitable receipts and then we'll see if you have enough to get in. So mitamol, the neshama, the person discovers that the money that you had is not yours. Do they actually the ask for receipts or they just say show us receipts and we give you credit? No. <laughs> like the IRS. IRS. <laughs> no. uh, just got to make sure you got it on your phone. Exactly, somehow. The mo- save it someplace on your iPhone. Okay, so The money that you have is nothing. The money that you gave away to Tzedakah is everything. And that's why, that's why the parents, they say parents, when, you money, when your children are young and they're making their first money, teach them that the money that they have is not theirs. The only money that you can hold on to forever is money that you use for a mitzvah because that becomes yours. That becomes yours and nobody can take it from you. Not a market crash, not medical, God forbid, bills, not, not an IRS audit. No one can take the money that you spent on a mitzvah. Because the mitzvah becomes yours, la'ad olamim. Comes yours eternally, not only for the rest of your life, but even in the, in the next world. So here you have a person who all his life was able to turn dust into gold comes up to Shemayim, and they, and they say to him, where's your money? He said, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I lost all my money. I don't know what happened over here. So it says, says the rabbi, don't do that. Don't live a life that, that's going to end in shock and surprise because you're going to say, what happened to all my money? Rather, live a life where when you die, you go to the next world, you continue with the same thing that you lived in this world. Why should you suffer that horrible shock Instead of being cool and coming up to heaven and they say to you, okay, currency is Tayyid Mitzvah, and you say, perfect, that's what I spent my whole life investing in. Tayyid Mitzvah, here you go. Don't have to experience this terrible shock for the Neshama. A person who trusts in God finds that the reward for his trust accompanies him in this world and the next world. Now, to be perfectly honest, or as my, as my daughter says, TBH, uh, this doesn't really impress a lot of people, this idea that when you go, you can't take it with you, because who's thinking about death? Nobody likes to think about death. Even though it's 100% true, and even though everybody who gets close to their death starts to think about it and panic about it, and by then it's too late. So then, 
Yeah. That's obviously true. So in that fact, why even be concerned with earning a lot of money and earning a living and you know getting by here in this world? I mean, who cares? You know, well, he's going to talk. Live on the street like everybody else. Yeah. Well, you know? go ahead. Go right ahead. It seems to be the thing to, the thing to do. He's going to talk about that later, about how a person cannot lose their drive and ambition as a result of their betachin. They're not allowed to. A Jew is not allowed to lose his drive to make a living, to earn, to work, to put forth energy, because it's a, it's a mitzvah. Hashem wants us to work hard. <clears throat> but not out of desperation, thinking that if you don't work hard, you're going, to be, you're going to go hungry. But the point is that even if a person is not moved by a thought of what's going to happen in the afterlife, there is a... There is an afterlife that is happening right now. And this is connected to a yomtif that's happening tonight, a holiday that starts tonight. Tonight is the, it will start the 12th day of Tammuz. The 12th day of Tammuz is the day, the anniversary that the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe was released from his prison, imprisonment, where they tried to execute him, God forbid, and they exiled him in Kastarama, and then they let him go on the 12th day of Tammuz, which coincidentally and beautifully was also his birthday. So now the famous story is that when he was in prison and they were interrogating him and he was not cooperating, so they pulled a gun on him. So he says to them, this toy, because they said, this toy will make you talk. He said, this toy can only frighten a person who has many gods in one world, but I have one God and two worlds, and this thing doesn't frighten me. So all my life I thought, when I heard the story, I always thought that he meant that in two worlds means the next world, <clears throat> the world to come. That if you kill me, I'm not afraid because I'll just go to the next world. It's not like it's over. I just go to chapter 2, big deal, turn the page, go to, go to, to Gan Eden. But my father told me, no, the Rebbe explained that, that two worlds that the Rebbe is talking about is not the world, the present world, and then the future world to come after you die. He's talking about two realities that exist right now. A world that exists that you can see, and a world that exists that you cannot see. Two dimensions, two realities. So for example, a person who has 10 bucks, and spends it on an esetic, or, or building a sukkah, or b'chala v'shabbos, and another person says, what are you, why are you investing in something that you can't use? You can't do anything? What are you going to do with a... What are you, you're not going to eat the esetic. You can't eat it. What are you, you going to do with it? He said, no, you don't understand. It's a mitzvah. A person who's never heard of a mitzvah before says, what are you talking about? Live for today. Eat, drink, and be merry. What are you investing in something spiritual? What does that help you? And so you have to educate the person that there are two realities. One is the tangible reality, and one is the higher reality. And the higher reality is just as worth investing in as your tangible reality, because you are a human being and not an animal. A human being is made of the tangible uh, consciousness, and then the subconscious is spiritual consciousness. And you have to nurture both parts of yourself. So even if a person... So that's what the Rebbe was saying. The Rebbe was saying, you can't frighten me because I live on both dimensions, and therefore the, the revealed world doesn't scare me, because there's a higher plan. So whatever you're going to do to me, whatever's going to happen, doesn't frighten me, because I live in a higher world. Now. Not when you kill me, I'll go to a different world. I live in two worlds now. A person lives in two worlds, not afraid of anything. Because if on a revealed level, things aren't good, so that on a hidden level, it's good. So, no big deal. There's more than to what meets the eye. And for that, such a person, for such a, per, such a person, if, if you frighten, intimidate him with physical harm, he's not really frightened because there's a whole other level of existence that actually he'll get pleasure. He'll get pleasure from suffering for Hashem, which the communists could never understand. Which, which the Rebbe said, by the way, that those Jewish communists that were threatening him and imprisoned him and tortured him, 
those poor kids. They were kids. Vilde, Vilde, Rebbe called them, Rebbe called them uh, kinder, Vilde kinder, wild kids, Rebbe, whose parents weren't able to educate them properly, so they bought into the, to the communist, huge communist lie, at which, the, which the essence of the core of it is that what you see is what you get. There is, don't, don't start talking about higher and God and spiritual, forget about it. Let's talk about grain and food and work and labor and, and comrades and that's all. Which is such a shallow existence and, it, and, of, and of course it brought so many people misery in their life. So the Rebbe is talking to these people who believe only in power, physical force, and he's saying to them, you're so stupid. You can't point a gun and frighten a person who's not like you. You, because of who you are, you think that a gun is the scariest thing in the world. And I feel bad for you. But for me, it's not. I'm sorry. So, even a person who doesn't feel moved by the idea that when you die, the money doesn't go with you. Even now, there is, a, there is an, a part of the universe now where the money means nothing. And people discover that God forbid, when they get sick or when they lose their money or when the economy crashes, it shouldn't come as a shock. That's the problem. It shouldn't come as a shock. And we'll go back to this well once again. When, the, when, when, when your plan to land the airplane on the runway is not working out, you have to not go into shock and figure out how to land the plane in the Hudson River. You cannot go into shock your training has to kick in. And the training says there is another way to survive. You don't have to die. You don't have to make it to the runway. You can land in the river. A less experienced pilot would have said, Oh no, going to the runway. Whatever happens, i got to make it to the runway and kill everybody. A person whose money disappears overnight, like, we've, like unfortunately we've all seen to people, it's such a terrible shock if there's not been any training. Because, oh my God, my money is gone. Now what am I going to do? What do you mean, now what are you going to do? What were you doing before you had money? What were you doing while you had money? The money cannot be the stilt that you walk on. The money is, like he's going to say in a few minutes, something very beautiful. All right. If, if, if his secret is revealed, it could actually kill him. It could actually kind of get him go. The Rebbe once spoke about Howard Hughes. Do you know Howard Hughes? He was the owner of TWA. He was a multi-billionaire. And he was a recluse. When he died, they found him in his, in his, in his house by himself. He was terrible, terrible story. You could look it up. And, and the Rebbe spoke about it, which was very, very bizarre. And the Rebbe spoke about, how, the Rebbe spoke about it before Pesach. About how freedom comes from knowing the truth. Not from having money and power. And the Rebbe spoke, Hughes. The Rebbe said there was a man named Hughes. And given a billionaire. And Nebuch, he was a, a, the worst kind of slave. A slave to his own paranoia, his own fear, mm-hmm. his own... Huh? He was terrified of terrified. germs. And he, you know, like today people were in, he wore a mask. And he didn't, you know, everybody had to, he wiped everything down after people touched things. And, and he was afraid of terrified. kidnapping. And he was afraid of people taking him as a hostage. He was afraid of people being after his money. So the Rebbe is saying, the... the, the, the Barbeno Bachia is saying that in such a situation of a person who has this amazing talent and skill and secret that could turn dust into money, that that very talent that is making him money could end up killing, could end up killing him. Because he might be assassinated for his money. 
for his skill, for his, for his secret. So, if he is exposed, that itself, what he considered to be his biggest blessing, could actually be the cause of his demise. Because what he's doing is not natural. And it's, uh, and it's uh, anti, uh, what do you call it, uh, competitive. And those who are in, in power will kill him if he can't keep it a secret. But a person who has this great secret, his secret power is that he has trust in God. When people discover his secret... That he's, that he's so cool, calm, and collective because of his faith. Not only people won't turn against him, people will have incredible f- respect for him. And people will consider it to be a blessing to be in his company and to be able to just catch a sight of him because people want to be close with him as opposed to this person who people are jealous of and resentful. And not only that, but a person who lives with faith will become a blessing to his own environment and the people who live near him. As it says in the passage, that tzaddik is the foundation of his world. And as we see in the story of light, that light brought along a blessing wherever he went. Because, uh, because of he was righteous in, in, Avraham's, in Avraham's merit. Another, another advantage of having trust is that a person knows how to use his money. If he has money, he expends it and spends it on things of lasting value. He spends it on money. He spends it on things that make him closer to God. He spends it on things that serve God. And if he doesn't have money... He'll say to himself, Baruch Hashem, no money, no obligations. Now that he doesn't have millions, so he doesn't have the obligations that come along with having millions. The person says, look, Baruch Hashem, so I'll buy a cheap, I'll buy a cheap essay. I can't buy an expensive essay, I don't have money. A person whose whole presence of mind is about his Yiddishkeit, so everything goes through that lens. So when he has a lot of money, he says, okay, now I've got to spend more money on my top-line matzah, I've got to buy the top-line tefillin, I've got to buy the top-line mezuzah, i got to everything I have to spend money on, on things. And when he doesn't have money, all right, so I can't, so I won't. Furthermore, when he has money, he thinks he has to help everybody on planet Earth because he has so much money. Hashem has obligated him to help everybody that needs help. When he doesn't have money... He says, hmm, I wish I could help everybody. I can't, I don't have money. So anyway, he just sees it through the prism of his obligations. And so if he has less money, he has less obligations. So he doesn't feel that it's a burden. He feels actually that he's unburdened. But don't put it like it's a, it's a positive thing. That what? If, if he you doesn't don't. have money, he doesn't have money. But he could have done something. He could have gone, tried to get the money. We're, so only, we we're, we're only talking about a person who tries to make money. We're not talking about a person. Ah, yeah. No, he's going to say later. Because we're going to get there. You he's, put it like, okay, no, no, no. You put it like no, no, no. We're only talking about an honorable, noble, integrity person who's trying to make money. And when he doesn't make money, he says, Oh, oh okay. there's also a bracha. It's also a bracha. So this is Baruch Hashem. 
It's okay. Thanks, having money is okay. Not having money, it's okay. Whatever the Abishnu wants, it's okay. Furthermore, a person who doesn't have money has fewer worries about guarding his money and taking care of it. And this is something which is the most obvious of the obvious. He has less, less to worry about. As it says about one of the chassidim, or one of the righteous men, they used to say, May God protect me from Pizur HaNefesh. Now, just so you know, the Rebbe spoke about Pizur HaNefesh all the time. It was really one of his pet peeves. Scattering he of didn't, the He really was very unhappy when people suffered from this condition called Pizur HaNefesh. Scattering of mind. Pizur HaNefesh is scattering of the mind. So they said to him, Amrullah, they said to this chassid, Ma'u Pizur HaNefesh. What do you mean, scattering of the mind? God should protect you from the scattering of the mind. In English, in modern English, you say he's, he's all over the place. Guy's all over the place. The Rebbe didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. People write to the Rebbe, I'm having this problem, that problem. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're all over the place. What, what's your mission in the world? What's your purpose? How's it going? Have you taken stock? Do you know where you, which direction you're heading? Are you going up? Are you going down? You're, you're writing about problems. You don't even know what is a problem, what's not a problem, because you're all over the place. You have Pizur HaNefesh. You aren't focused. You have to focus. So they said to this man, what is Pizur HaNefesh? Amar, so he says, My money being all over the world. Investments over here and real estate over here. <laughs> so this guy's on his deathbed. He's laying there. He says to his daughter, I want you to take over the skyscrapers in downtown. And he says to his wife, and I want you, you're going to take the condominiums in Uptown. And he says to his son, and you're going to take the residential, the residence over there. And the nurse says, wow, I never knew you were so rich. His wife says, so rich, he has a newspaper route. <laughs> so person, person says, person says uh, I got the, and I own this, and I own that, and I own all over the place. No, you can't focus on anything, because he has to focus on everything. So this chassid said, may God save me from having my, my property, my investment, and my responsibilities scattered all over the place, all over the world, because I won't be able to focus on anything, because I have to focus on everything. And that's why it says in Pikiyavis, these four magical words that everybody should commit to memory and, and be able to say all the time, that the more you own, the more you have to worry about. And they said, I remember like yesterday, my brother, Motel, he bought himself a Toyota Avalon, a used Avalon. He's going to buy himself a Toyota Camry. He said, you know what? Let me spring a little bit more. I'm going to buy an Avalon. A little bit nicer. Got an Avalon. We came home. And he parked it the next morning. We come outside to go to Shul. Apparently, he hit a pebble or something on the way home from the, from the car store. And it made a hole in the back of his, in the back of his side driver's side mirror. Ugh. You know, not, not in the glass. In the thing that holds it up. Not a big deal. But... You know, it's not pleasant. You bought a car, you just spent a bunch of money, you come outside, the whole thing. Boom! Without missing a beat. He goes, There you go. The more you own, the more you worry about. And the more value the things have that you own, 
the more you have to worry about. So if you people who own little schmecky cars with 700,000 miles on it, so got a hole in the mirror, big deal. But if you, God forbid, get yourself a Tesla, and the Tesla gets in an accident, now that's a big problem. So, so that does, what does it mean? Nobody should own anything. No, 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 no. Should own everything. We should be rich. But we should recognize that being rich brings with it all of the worries and concerns that come with owning a lot of things and owning things that are worth a lot of money. And not stress over it. In the same token, you can come and say, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. How you determine, how you split. No, he's not saying you shouldn't be rich. He's just saying how to handle your wealth. How to handle your blessings. Having a family is also a sort of, a, mean, a, a, a form of wealth. It is, and people complain about it. The, Deb, the lady wrote to the Rebbe, me and my kids, we don't have a parnasa. And the Rebbe wrote back to her, you and your kids don't have parnasa? Do you know how many people in the world are praying to have children? And you write, like, oh, me and my kids, we don't have Where's the gratitude and the, and the celebrating, like, like dancing Simchastoid over the fact that Hashem gave you kids? No, you only find something to complain about. Not that, you, not that you should be poor, but you should recognize the blessings you have in your life. And people who don't have children don't have to support their children. So that's what you want. You want to have not have children, and then you don't have to support your child. That's what you want. You want to own nothing and not have any problems. So if you have a lot of money, and you have a lot of cars, you have a lot of, and they have a lot of problems, so say, Baruch Hashem. And if you have no money and no problems, say, Baruch Hashem. Always say, Baruch Hashem. A person who trusts in God will receive the benefits of the money. In other words, he will use the money for what it is worth, which is to support himself. But because he trusts in God and not in his money, he will be, he will be, um, he will be free of the disturbing thoughts of a wealthy person and the constant worry that, re- that rich people have. The sleep of a poor laborer is very sweet. He works hard, he finished working, and none to worry about, goes to sleep like a man. Whether he eats a little bit or eats a lot, but the satisfaction of the rich doesn't allow him to sleep. Because no matter how much he has, he's always worried, and the more he gets, the more he's worried about it. This is the, uh, the bottom line of this, of this new uh, development that he started over here, and that is that a person who has faith in God, not only does he not panic when he doesn't have money, he also knows how to handle having money. Because having money is also an art form. Because being rich is also an art form. The test of money is also a big test. Not only are you going to become rich and then become, um, and then become stingy, but rather are you going to become rich and become full of anxiety. And how many wives, how many wives say to themselves every day, I wish my husband would lose all of his money. Ever since he came into money, ever since he made his money, I don't see him anymore, I don't hear him anymore, there's no time for me. Not because he became a bad guy, but because he is just enveloped in worry and concern, and his attention is completely warped onto all of his investments and all of his deals that are pending, and this is pending, and that's pending. Says his wife, I wish, I wish 
that you would have enough money to buy us bread and, and the cream cheese, and that's all, because the rest of it is killing our marriage, it's killing our family, it's killing you with your high blood pressure, it's no good. So, so he's saying, not that you shouldn't have money, you should have money, but you should have the skill of how to handle it with equanimity, with, with, relax, with a relaxed attitude, and that is, as he's going to say, we weren't able to get there, but he's going to say that, that a, a person who has faith knows that money is something that God gives you for a certain amount of time. Like for example, a person who has a cold. All right, he has a cold. He understands, Hashem gave him a cold, and then the cold will be here for two days, three days, whatever, and then, go. A person who has a lot of money and believes in Hashem very strongly understands that the money is not shut. My money, your money. It's not The money is, belongs to the universe. It belongs to God, and it moves at God's will. Today it's by me. Today it's by you. Tomorrow it's by another person. You cannot pride yourself on the money because it's not yours. It just happens to be that God deposited it in your bank account a for a amount certain of amount of time. That's the key. For a certain amount of time. So if a person believes that way, first of all, he won't freak out over his money because he knows it's not his money. He'll, he'll, he'll invest it wisely, whatever, but he won't freak out over it. Secondly, he won't, he won't and this is key, he will not spend it in a way that if suddenly his fortunes change, he becomes a pauper. What happens to people that, are, that win lotteries? That suddenly, before, they were living a very comfortable life. Middle class income, Spending wisely, not spending more than their budget, living a good life, happy marriage, happy kids. And then suddenly they win $100 million. And they start spending like crazy. And of course the taxes come and this comes up. Before you know it, two years later they have no money. So you say, okay, so now you lost your $200 million, but where is your, where is your regular income that you had before? No, he's got nothing. He quit his job, he quit his connections, he burnt his bridges, he walked away from his friends. He has nothing. Why? Because he thought, now he's a changed man. Now I have $200 million. This should have reminded him, you don't have $200 million. There's $200 million in your account today. What's going to be tomorrow? Who knows? Hashem takes money and puts it, takes it, puts it, takes it, whatever. As the, the famous line from the Gemara, Hashem notan, Hashem lakach, Baruch Hashem. The famous story about the mayor. The mayor... He, two of his children, unfortunately, died one Shabbos. His wife, Brudia, waited till after Shabbos to tell him anything. Because uh, after Shabbos, I mean, she didn't want to ruin his Shabbos. After Shabbos, she says to him, uh, if Hashem gave us a big gift, would you say Baruch Hashem? He said, yeah. He said, if Hashem took it from you, would you say Baruch Hashem? He said, of course, whatever Hashem gives, Hashem, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh. Which is a line from Eve. From the Torah, from Job. So she said, well, Hashem gave us two beautiful gifts. And yesterday Hashem took them back. So he said, Hashem noiseh, nosan, Hashem lokach, baruch Hashem. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the Lord. This is the attitude that a person needs to have if he wants to be healthy with having a lot of money. Hashem gives, Hashem takes. Maybe you'll owe, maybe Hashem will never take it from you. But it doesn't matter. The point is, you don't change. What do you say, Mark? I was going to say, in terms of the money you were talking about yeah. before, if we can prove we're in the service of Hashem, we're more likely to maintain and keep that money as opposed to somebody who buys it only for material wealth and you know self. Uh, 
gain. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. For a very practical reason. A person who believes in Hashem knows that it doesn't, it doesn't, take, a, it doesn't take a recession for my money to disappear out of my account. Hashem has a million ways that He does things. Just like I have no idea how I got rich, I have no idea how I one day could end up not being rich. So therefore, because I believe in Hashem, I have this awareness that things are transient. Money is transient. Things, blessings come and go. The connection to God is the most important thing. And that's something that does not, that's the only stability that a person has in their life. Connection to Hashem, Torah, Mitzvah, Yiddishkeit, that's, that's the stability. Everything else is here today, gone tomorrow. So therefore, you don't spend like a fool knowing that by tomorrow you could have nothing. You invest wisely, you spend within a budget, and the rest of it you use to give tzedakah, to, 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 to do things that are, that, are worth, that are worth eternal value. All right, boys, thanks very much oh, for yeah. being here today.